Hello, everybody. We're back again. After a hiatus again. Over here, we are coming to you live from Thursday Night Football. Um, Vincent T for the Channel 79 podcast. Back in action after the World Series, after some NFL trade deadline action. Um, after your standard college football NFL weekend. Uh, nothing super crazy outside of the major sporting news, but we'll run down everything for you. Uh, we got a UFC card this weekend. We got a, uh, I don't know, some regular, regular stuff going on this weekend. NFL, college football. So we'll hit on all that. And, um, if anything crazy happens in the Thursday night game, It'll be too late, but we're going to tell you about it anyway. Um, there's some basketball on tonight, too. I think T was watching that earlier. So, Yep. Good Spurs Spurs beat. Or Warriors beat the Spurs by 20. Well, that wasn't close. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is the Spurs were winning like 31 to 23 at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. Geez. Well, it's early in the NBA season, so you can't expect too much. Yeah, and the Spurs are still without Kawhi. Oh, he's not playing? No, he's hurt. Like from his ankle in the playoffs? Uh, I'm not sure what it is right now, but he hasn't played yet this season. Oh, that's weird. So, I'm assuming it's... My guess is it's related to that, but uh, I'll be honest, I don't know off the top of my head yeah. what his injury is. Well, that's breaking news for me here. I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't even know he was out, but that's that's crazy. Hopefully, he's all right. Um, but we're digging it. We have a couple NBA stuff to hit to later. But we're just gonna kick it off with the major news: the Astros World Series champ. Um, I don't know, I really have anything else to add to that. Do you have anything to add to that? I just think it's interesting that where they've come from since joining the AL. I mean, prior right. to prior to being in the American League, they were, I mean, for lack of a better term, they were laughing stock of baseball for a long time, and then they had a couple. I think they had a couple, two or three rough years when they came to the AL, but since they've reconfigured their roster to match, you know, the rest of the American League teams, they've been pretty solid now for the last handful of years behind some young guys like George Springer and. Um, Altuve so it's kind of nice to see them win it they're not a they're not typically a you know world series or even playoff contender so it's always good to once in a while see teams like that rise to the occasion and win a world series yeah it's a good call for sure they uh, had a complete rebuild and it took a long time but they uh, finally got there and they should be good for you know Next couple of years going here, so they should be in the, the hunt in the AL in the next couple of years. Um, and uh, for Taco Bell fans, they got a free taco out of the earlier games in the World Series. Yep. Um, I stole one, did you? I did not get to Taco Bell within the uh, allotted time slot, so I missed out. Well, that's just your fault then. Yeah, well, I mean, I was working, 
so. Oh. Other sure, than the last hour. That's your work's but, fault. Yeah. Um, I think it was like two to six you could get there. But it's whatever. It's a taco. Free um, one? It is free. Um, so it's pretty legit. I didn't get one, though. I think Vo went and got one. Shocker. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's like um, the best marketing campaign Taco Bell could ever come up with, basically, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know how much money people are spending at Taco Bell once they go get a free taco. Right, like, uh, yeah, like, I mean, like, I, I probably got, like, my standard meal, and then I would have got the free taco, but I wasn't going to go there anyway. So they right. got all my money from my meal anyway, so. Right. Yeah, I mean, they got probably, it was like seven or something bucks for me. And, you know, you know me, I don't like Taco Bell at all. But yeah. I just went because it was a free taco, so. Right. They, they had a customer out of me that day. Right, yeah, they it's definitely a good marketing strategy. Um, I mean, because it plays into pretty much, you know, all the human emotions that you need to get. Right, and what's the worst case scenario is, Nobody shows up for a free taco. I mean, <laughs> so. right? Or or it doesn't happen. But I'm right. sure they have a backup plan if nobody steals the face. Right. I don't know if that's ever happened throughout the the thing of it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if you um, think about it, like I said, it, it cost me probably seven something, seven dollars and change, which they normally wouldn't get. So if it costs them, what twenty cents to make a taco, then right. by getting my seven dollars, that's like you know yeah, a bunch. Yep. So, yeah. So shout out to Taco Bell. We're looking for sponsors if you need need somewhere to spend some of that free taco money. Yep. Channel seventy nine is a spot. But that's it for baseball. It's over now. Uh, the Yankees need a manager after they fired Girardi. Um, I don't know. Baseball managers are weird because you don't know. Like I don't even know who's on the short list. I mean, I looked at it, but I don't really care. Right. Um, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot different than like NFL. Right. Or my, college. I don't. I don't know why, but it just is for some reason. My feeling. My feeling on the thing is like, they're called a manager for a reason. Like they're just there to manage the talent, and hopefully they don't do something during the game to screw up. We're like, the in the NFL and the NBA and uh, basketball and, ba- and football in general is. They're the head coach for a reason. They're actually coaching their players to do something. And baseball yeah. is kind of hard to coach a player to go out there and hit a fastball, right? I mean, you can align, <clears throat> you can change the alignment and, and have them go into double play depth or put them on the shift. But, that again, that's just managing the talent and managing the bullpen. So I think there's, like, you know, having a, having a great manager in baseball, to me, doesn't really mean much other than hopefully they don't hopefully they can manage the talent and not screw something up by bringing in a pitcher too early or something but you know there's there, to me there's a very big difference between the manager of a baseball team and what he does on a day-to-day basis compared to what a head coach of a basketball team or football team does on a day-to-day basis yeah i think that's a good uh way to look at it for sure i think that makes a lot of sense I mean, I guess they're named something for named something different for a reason. They're not a coach, right? Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's a good description of of this scenario and how it differs from 
the other major sports maybe so yeah and I think, I think in Gir- I think in Girardi's case he was just he overmanaged some situations that cost his team some victories now they still made the playoffs but there's instances when he puts his closer in the game in a game of you know when they're losing and then you burn through your closer and then if you come back and win or if you come back and at least tie then you don't have your closer to go in so there's there's a couple times instances this year where he did that and to me that's unacceptable so if you can't be a manager and manage the right situations then it's time for you to go now I don't think that in general he's a bad manager but I'm sure the Yankees seen some of the things that I seen and we're like okay you know the team is growing and there's a lot of youth here so let's get somebody in here that can you know be passionate about it and and steer them to victory and they just thought I think in the end of the day obviously they thought that he wasn't going to be the right fit for the next couple years yeah I think he fell just short of what they were looking for in that role like he was he was analytical to a point but he didn't take it to like super analytical I think where they want where they want to go with with the next you know influx of young players and get rely more heavily on the numbers than he did and also just they just his personality I don't think meshed with uh, the younger talent as well as they are hoping a new manager does like uh up like high up on the list is the uh the manager from the the AAA team who has handled all these young kids that came up through the ranks and you know even Brett Gardner and stuff who came up through the ranks so he's up high up on the list just to manage the uh I mean it, it, it's a completely different team than when Girardi took over with Jeter and Rivera and it's you know it's a mm-hmm. It's a young, young, younger clubhouse now, and I think they need a guy who can handle the, the personalities and the, all that kind of stuff that the younger guys bring into the clubhouse, rather than Girardi, who is uh, not super old school but not super new school either. So kind of right. was an awkward position there. Yeah, when he was brought in, obviously back then he had a connection with Jeter and them. Right. So. He, I believe he his last couple of years, or maybe his last year or last couple of years was Jeter's first couple of years. Right. So, yeah. But I just don't think he, uh, I don't think his personality and the personalities of the younger kids uh, meshed all that well, and I think yeah. the new, a new manager they bring in does that, and I think Cashman will, will do a good job of bringing somebody in that'll figure it out for him. Yeah. Initially, I thought he'd Initially, I thought, oh, well, he's going to be Marlins next coach or manager, but I think they have Don Mattingly, and I'm not sure that the Marlins or Jeter is ready to get rid of Mattingly. So I don't no, know. If um, well, you say like Girardi had a thing, had a connection with Jeter now, but Mattingly is the Yankee guy too. So yeah, <clears throat> so that's the same connection there with Jeter. Um, I think. I imagine Jeter and Mattingly have a lot of the same mindsets going in for a team. I mean, mm-hmm. Mattingly's been around as a player, as a manager, as all that stuff, so I think they can get along in that right. aspect of the job. So, yeah, I don't know if Girardi wants to manage this year, 
you know, take a couple years off maybe and get back in it or I think you said he wanted to be like an, an athletic director of a college at some point, so mm-hmm. maybe he'll try to go down that route. But I mean no no fault he did this year, he got him to the playoffs, but it's just a new team and a new they just need a new manager for it, I guess. Right. I think I mean I think you saw that around the league. I think like three or four playoff teams are uh, looking for a new manager this year, so yeah, I mean, well, the nature of the job, I guess. Yeah, the Red Sox are one of them, but they hired Alex Cora already. So they, yeah, put, I think, you know, they fired their manager and they made the playoffs. Right. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's just the nature of, of all really all sports jobs, except the NFL. They won't get rid of coaches. They're like dependent on it <laughs> in some cases, but well, some I mean. Marvin Lewis has overstayed his welcome for about eight years now. Yeah. But there, I mean, there's only, I don't know, I can only think of the top of my head probably a handful of coaches that have been around for multiple years, you know, more than five, and, you know, Belichick's one of them, and somebody like Popovich is one of them. Well, um, it's, I mean, I was just saying you don't see it if there's been, uh, I guess, success like a playoff berth or something. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, you don't see them ousting their NFL. Like, Marvin Lewis is the, the exact example that we all think about for sure. But um, Yeah, he's he's made it to the playoffs, but he never wins playoff games. Right, which is some, for some reason perfectly fine with the Brown, or the Bengals. Right. <clears throat> but, yeah, um, like in the NBA, um, Mike or it was Mike Brown before Steve Kerr with the Warriors, right? Yeah. They were really good, and then the Cavs fired flat in the middle of that season. They were really good. So it happens in the NBA every once in a while, but, I mean, what can you do? Right. That's it. So that's it for baseball, if that's all you got. Yep. Um, I guess we will do the NBA. I think you had a uh, an interesting NBA note. Your favorite new team to watch, I think, is what you called it. Yeah, not obviously the Sixers are my are my favorite team and always will be. But one of my favorite new teams to watch are the Indiana Pacers. They play with they play a lot of uh, they play offense uh, fast and they like to swing the ball around a lot. Um, <clears throat> and they kind of have this new I don't know team identity without Paul George. That's really interesting. They have a bunch of players on their team, um, like, um, oh, blank on his name now, but their point guard. Oh, Darren Collison. Um, you know, and then they they acquired uh, Victor Oladipo this year. Yeah. And so I just I I, I watched them the other night, and then I watched them against the Cavs, and they beat the Cavs, and. Just the I just like the way that they're playing the game right now. Uh, they're just a really fun young team to watch. And then obviously they have Miles Turner as their big man, and and players like uh, Sabonis at power forward and Thaddeus Young, who's a veteran. Um, but they just have a nice little core group, and I just like watching the way that they play. All right, I would uh, I did watch them a little bit against the Cavs. But I mean, it's. Uh, um, I would not have guessed them to be your favorite new team to watch. But that's an interesting choice. 
No, sure. me, no, me neither. And I, you know, I think the Eastern teams suck. But I, I just watched. I caught. They caught my eye the other night. <clears throat> I forget who they were playing against. And then I, and then like I said, I watched them again. Was it last night or two nights ago against the Cavs? And I'm just really enjoying the way that they play the game. So yeah, if you're out, uh, so if you're out there watching an NBA game and you see, or flip by TNT or ESPN and you see the Pacers are on, just do yourself a favor and watch them for a quarter or a half. They're a fun team yeah, to watch. We got the league pass or something. Put the Pacers on and go to town. So that's really it for NBA. I mean, the season's still young, so I anticipate we're not going to cover it super closely unless something major happens or if we have something cool like new favorite team to watch or uh, yeah or if something major happens we'll hit on all the major points as the season goes along and get serious when uh, the players get serious towards the towards the playoffs and, and take it from there but if that's all you have we can skip away from the NBA yep uh, there's a game on right now Pacer or what'd you say the uh, Lakers are at Portland Lakers are at Portland, so uh, yeah. I mean, that'll be over by the time we listen to this. But shout out to the Lakers of Portland. Um, another note you had on the the text you sent me was your dislike of the NCAA selection committee for the college football playoffs. Oh my God! I mean, they're so. I get Georgia's okay, in the top. Can I? Go, go can ahead. I give you, you my yeah. my theory on why Georgia's number one. Well, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so it all boils down to committee favorability of Notre Dame is what is what my theory is. Meaning, Meaning oh, because Notre, they, Dame, Notre Dame only lost to Georgia by one, so by putting Georgia number one gives more credibility to uh, Notre Dame's only loss of the season. Right, and and <clears throat> that's and that's fine, and I, and I you know I think that's valid. I mean, obviously there's for as long as I can remember, there's been a bias towards Notre Dame. Yep. And, and that's fine. I mean, they have probably the most fans, or they're one of the biggest fan bases that across the country. Now, Penn State probably has just as big or bigger fan base, but most of those, I'm guessing, are in the Northeast. Now, they do travel well, so I can't say that Penn State is exclusively Northeast, but I feel like Notre Dame is probably more across the across the U.S. than yeah, than Penn w- State is. Yeah, I would say. I don't know. I mean, I think Penn State is like one of the highest like alumni like numbers. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say Notre Dame has more. Definitely, I don't know. I they, I would say. I mean, a Penn State fan, but I would say Notre Dame has more fans for sure throughout yeah. the country. Just, just in, and it might not be more total fans. Just how they're spread out and distributed across the country. Right. I guess they're more evenly distributed. Right. Notre Dame just has... And a lot of that, you know, a lot of that has to do with... Or at least some of it has to do with, you know, them playing USC a lot. So they travel... They get West Coast, you know, coverage more often than a team like Penn State would. But where they stay mostly within the Big Ten. Um, Yeah, I don't... um, It's interesting because I think the Notre Dame phenomenon happened way before our time mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah i yeah, think it it's did. just been i think it's just been passed down like the children grandchildren and that kind of stuff at that point yeah so so yeah but 
putting Georgia at number one is just absolutely ridiculous. I, I don't understand what the committee's thinking there. I mean, granted they're 8-0 and Alabama's 8-0, so you can do a coin flip or whatever you want. But unless this is this just them trying to be like, hey, we're not beholden to just putting Alabama at number one because everybody else in the world thinks Alabama's number one. Uh, you know, I don't. I just don't get why Georgia's one. Um, so, I'm, but I'm okay with them being in the top four. I don't know if you have, if you're, Georgia? yeah. I mean, at this point, you have to. But I don't. It doesn't matter. I mean, the rankings are pretty much useless at this point. But eight no, eight no, in the in the SEC, well, whatever SEC East, they they basically have to be. If you're a power five team and eight no at this point, I, I mean, mean, I know. Yeah, you got to be up there, really. I know rankings, you know, technically don't matter right now, but they do because, like you just said, if Georgia's ranked number one, Notre Dame obviously has a stronger case. So either rankings don't matter or they do. I just well, happen I, to I think. I just mean, re- like, rankings right now don't matter. Relevant to rankings week thirteen, week twelve. Well, I still think they do because if you put. It, you for instance, call if, back on. Yeah. yeah, if you put Georgia at number one now, right, and they don't lose a game, then you c- then in theory you shouldn't be able to say, well, all they did was win because previous to this week, Alabama's only been number one in the coaches and the AP poll, not based off of the committee. Right. So the committee from here on out has to put Georgia at number one as long as they win out. So the rankings today kind of do matter for that. Same with like Notre Dame. If Notre Dame wins out, then they the worst they should be is three. If you get what I'm saying. So I, that's why I have a problem with how they're ranked now. Yeah, is and yeah, and Notre tough. Dame. Why is Notre I Dame it, even top four in my opinion? I don't know. I wouldn't have. I don't know. I, I didn't put a ranking together, but I don't think. I, I don't. Obviously, I don't have a problem with one and two, no matter what order they're in. My only, I don't, my my really my my only gripe with it is Clemson. Being well, in the top four. Well, you say, you say that, but and they and they shouldn't be in there. That's that is to me that is um, ludicrous that they're that high up. Yeah. Um, even on that ranking alone, but yeah. Ohio State just beat Penn State. And are you telling me that the Penn State, that the Ohio State win over Penn State, is less impressive than the Notre Dame win over Georgia? And I would say no. I would say I don't think so. Like I think Penn State's a better team than than Georgia is right now. Oh yeah, Notre Dame lost the game. So <laughs> yeah, so I'm <laughs> I'm even talking myself out of it. But yeah. but that's my point. Is like Ohio State, they beat Penn State, and Notre Dame right. lost their game. So how is Ohio State not in at least number three or four, and then right. I would say, and I then I would say to that same thing, that uh, Penn State lost to Ohio State. So if I if I were actually ranking this, and you would never hear this from me previous years <laughs> being a Penn State hater, I would actually have it Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Penn State, with Oklahoma at number five. It makes sense. It, it, what doesn't make sense is if you just look at Penn State and Clemson, both one-loss teams. Right. Penn State's loss is to number six in the country at home, and Clemson's loss is to number 
whatever, 86 Number, in the country. Yeah. I, I just, like, what, what, is, what is the rationale? It just doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, that's, so that's, here's that's, that's, that's two teams in a vacuum, but just still, it doesn't make any sense. Right. And, um, Ohio State, and Ohio State's only loss was the number, f- then number five, Oklahoma. Correct. And o- Oklahoma's loss was the Iowa State, which which was bad at the time, but Iowa State's ranked Iowa now. Iowa State just beat another team, yeah. So, so I yeah, mean, so Iowa Clemson, s- Clemson has the worst loss of, of all those teams, but yet they're ranked above even Ohio State. Yeah, and, that, and that's my that's my problem with it. I mean, so Clemson right now is ranked ahead of Oklahoma, uh, ahead of Ohio State, ahead of Penn State, and then they're ahead of... Well, TCU, which well, you could even I mean, say I, their their loss is worse than TCU's loss, though. Yeah. Oh, their loss is the worst of probably the top fifteen team. I mean, Auburn is number fourteen, and they're six and two. So if you want to stop, if you want to rank Clemson at thirteen, that's fine with me. Yeah. Yeah, they have the worst loss of any one loss team, I would imagine. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, now they have now. You know, teams like Central Florida who are seven and zero, and they're ranked. And they don't that's have their starting quarterback, right? Is that that's, yeah. that's correct, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that should be a committee discussion. Right. So I I just think that they completely got this list wrong. Every from from the number one ranking through, you know, like I said, the number at least number fourteen. I didn't go much further than that. But when you start with Georgia, they're already wrong there, in my opinion. And then, yeah, obviously, exactly. if Alabama's number two, they're wrong there because I think those two teams should be flipped. And then you start, and then Notre Dame's three, Clemson's four. Like I, like I said, I think teams five, six, and seven who are Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Penn State should all be ahead of Notre Dame at least. And, and then by – well, yeah, Notre – and then Clemson. So yeah. teams three and four should at least be worse than that, than – those three teams, and then like we just got done saying, like TCU's seven and one, Wisconsin's eight and zero. Don't even get me started on the Hurricanes, and you know Oklahoma State is seven and one, and so I I just nothing about their their top ten to fifteen makes sense to me. I well, can't it seems fathom. Like they, they kind of set themselves up for uh, trouble because. Probably going to be Georgia, Alabama, and the SEC championship. And Georgia will probably lose, right? Right. So, what the hell do you do with that scenario? What do you do with that scenario? And then if it's... You're going to have the same scenario in the Big Ten, most likely. With probably, mm-hmm. Well, Ohio State is, is winning the East right now. So, it'll be an undefeated Wisconsin against... A, a one-loss Ohio State, and then a one-loss Penn State potentially on the sidelines, same as Ohio State was last year. Right. And then you'll have Notre Dame, who doesn't have a conference. It's just it's going to be a mess at the end of the season. Right. Um, but it'll, I mean... Clemson, they'll, they'll, and, then, and then if Clemson wins out, they can't move them down, right? That's my Yeah, that's my point. That's why I think that even though you're, in my opinion, they're being cute with the rankings, you just kind of set yourself up now to say, okay, if none of these top four teams lose the rest of the way, how could they possibly, you know, be outside of the top four? Yep. 
And like you said, if Georgia plays Alabama and they lose by, say, a point, can you really say Georgia doesn't deserve to be there? I, I just, yeah. I, I just don't know. So if they were being cute with it, then I think that they're idiots. And if they weren't being cute with it, then they're just flat out idiots. So <laughs> either way, I guess the committee is a bunch of idiots. <laughs> I think you're right. I, uh, I think you're right. And um, I don't know. We'll see what happens the rest of the season. But there could be some uh, controversy, to say the least, when the rankings come out at the end there. A lot yeah. of scenarios that could happen. A lot of teams that could could sneak in a lot of teams could could fall out it's there's a long couple uh long couple weeks left in the college football season to keep an eye on so yeah um yeah there's i mean there's time for the committee to get bailed out oh yeah i mean (laughs) if if georgia loses before the championship and notre dame loses again you know that they're they're got a a pretty a way smoother road than they're looking at now but yeah. But you never know what can happen. So, oh, and I have another college football. I guess this is kind of NFL football now, too. There's reports now that uh, Darnold out of USC will wait to see the draft order before declaring for the draft this year. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know why. Because I'm guessing he... I, the, like the initial report is he, he doesn't want to go to the Browns so if they're one and two if they're one or two he'll stay in school I don't I don't know what other team he's, he's trying to avoid but it doesn't make any sense because the Browns teams are straight up and want to do and draft them anyway if they're not one and two right if that's who they like, really I, like right I don't and know my stance for all these kids is you go out when you go out and make your money when you when you can make your money well here's the problem with his theory or his i mean so, i don't say, know if it's i don't know if this is true but it's it's report right. being reported by real things so there's some so some so yes i mean assuming that, that that's right and he doesn't want to be with the browns like i would imagine he would be fine with being a 49ers player who are also 0 and 8 so one of those teams are probably going to be the first or second pick. And when it comes down to it, when you have your meeting with the Browns or just don't take a meeting with them and say, like, don't pick me, they're going to get the right. hint. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, now, you know, the Chargers picked Eli Manning, but they were never going to keep him. They knew right out the gate, like, we'll just pick him and trade him. Yeah, they knew the scenario, yeah. So uh, you're just a team, and if, well... I was going to say the Browns aren't dumb enough to keep somebody who doesn't want to be there, but the, it is the Browns, so right. who knows. <laughs> but um, I just think that that's – I'm with you. Like, if you're going to come out, go get your money and come out. Like, don't play around with the system that way because you just never know where you're going to end up. Right, and if you are going to come out, you say, I don't want to go to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trade your pick or whatever, whatever it may be. I mean, this is a kid who was, who was going to come out of the, of USC with no red, no known red flags other than maybe his, his play this year, but no character flags, nothing like that. And this is just a self self inflicted wound, really. Right. Um, it's just un, I think it's just unnecessary to to 
you know, let that out there. I mean, even if it is true, mm-hmm. you meet, you meet private, you meet privately with the Browns. You say, Hey, I don't, you know, nothing against, well, it is against you, but nothing against you guys. I, I don't, I'm not comfortable here. So right. if, uh, if you think you can get something for somebody who wants to come up and draft me, get it and no hard feelings. But and, yeah. And to me, you, just, I think if you, if you try to game the system as a rookie, it's probably going to work out for you very well. No, and two things, like if, like, would you rather go to Cleveland where you're going to start, or would you rather be traded or not, or picked up by somebody like Cincinnati where you might not even start over somebody like Andy Dalton is the first thing. And the second thing yeah. is, if I'm, if I'm another team picking you next year, do I really believe that you're a, competi- a true competitor, that you want to yeah, just get to the number one, you know, your best position? Like, I... Yeah. I want a guy who's, who says, screw it, I'm just going to play for the Browns and try and dominate. Yep. And if I don't, I don't. If I do, then great. I mean, so. Yeah, and then what, what's to say you stay another year and it's, it's not the Browns again? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so, I mean, or what does, I don't know. I mean, it just or doesn't make sta- any sense. Or you stay a year and get hurt. Right. And, just, you and, know. and then the Browns and then the Browns ended up being good that year <laughs> and had the 12th pick and pick it 12th pick anyway. So, yeah, right, exactly. So, like I said, you, you try to game the system at that point, and it's probably not going to work out for you. With, you have no you have no leverage at that point. So, mm-hmm. um, it's just a weird a weird thing to, to try to get done. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just saw I just saw like some tweets about that and stuff, and uh, I just thought it was interesting. Um. That's all I have, other than the NFL stuff we can get into. Yep. All right. Um, so we've got a couple things to cover, but I'll just break it with the news this evening of Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson um, injury at practice turned out to be a torn ACL, which puts him out for the rest of the season um depending on the timetable i don't know if he'll be back by training camp but we'll have to see but deshaun watson torn acl in practice out for the season um yeah it's kind of shitty news for the league for the texans for fans of of fun football just kind of sucks for everybody yeah yeah he was having a hell of a year so it's sad to see him he was uh killing it in houston uh, Hopkins like to energize again. Will Fuller was killing it. Uh, they had some injuries on defense, but they were still playing all right. So it's just a big blow to to everybody, really, and him for sure. But yeah, the NFL as a whole. Yep. I mean, the division's still winnable, but it's a lot less winnable now that he's sidelined for the year. Yeah. So um, I was gonna say something, but I forget. But they have. Tom Savage obviously started the first game for nobody really knows why, other than the GM, I think, pushed that down on the coaching staff that he wanted Tom Savage to start. Well, so why. did the talent. So, so did uh, Hopkins. Right, but that could have been... Uh, right. I mean, you never know what that could have been, but I don't know why Watkins wanted that either. But um, So they have Tom Savage assigned Matt McGloin, who was Bill O'Brien's college coach at Penn State there, so... You never know. He might be getting plugged in there to, because obviously 
<laughs> Tom Savage isn't the guy, so maybe they'll roll with McGloin right. a couple games and see what they can get with him. But um, yeah, so the offense is going to look a lot different with Savage. I would guess it's kind of sucks because I have Hopkins and Fuller in a few fantasy leagues. Well, I mean Hopkins is going to get his targets regardless, but I don't know. I don't know if Savage can get it, get the ball to Fuller on them deep routes, like yeah, Watson said. So. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And, uh, you know, if, if they stick with uh, Savage or McGloin or what the heck is going to go on down there. But um, unfortunate news out of Houston late this afternoon we got. And uh, really bad timing, really, because right after, right after the deadline, they can't do anything there. So, yeah. Um, interesting to see the developments in Houston. With the injury and uh, oh yeah, what I was gonna say was, I believe he tore, I think he tore his left ACL at uh, Clemson, and this ended up being the other one. So that's sort of better news, but still sucks. That's all I. Well, that's what I was gonna say earlier. Yeah, I mean, I know it's. I don't want to dismiss it, but it obviously it sucks. But these guys who tear an ACL and then, at least he's been through it. He knows what the rehab is gonna be. So yep. he can kind of, you know, it might help him. It might help him be able to strengthen it and get ready for the season quicker next season. That you know he knows what goes into it and he knows how to do it, which is the silver lining, obviously, in a very dark cloud. But um, at least he kind of has that going for him. Yeah, um, I believe he. I, like I, I was reading it about it. It's when he toured at Clemson. It was after like a couple games his freshman year, and then he missed the rest of that year. Came back the next year, and played like you know played every game the rest of his college career, and went off to those two national championship games or two mm-hmm. Alabama games, whatever it was. So, like you said, he, he knows the routine. Um, I think with that injury, it's. I mean, I had him torn ACL. I wasn't a professional athlete, but. Um, you if weren't. You're, if you're, no, not yet. Oh. Um, but yeah, if if you know if you know the grind you got to go through with that injury, it's uh, the mental aspect of it. The second time around, it's probably a lot less stressful and less uh, demoralizing at that point. But it's definitely a mental mental barrier barriers you have to get through. You know, every step of the way with that type of injury, and and going through it once will definitely help them. And uh, that surgery just keeps getting better and better, you know, with, with Peterson coming back like right. he did. And, you know, I can name 100 guys who came back from that now. They just keep getting better and better at that surgery. So it's almost it, it is a big deal, but it's not as, a big, as big of a deal as, as uh, it used to be, I guess. It's almost getting to the point of, like, the Tommy John where they almost promote having Tommy John surgery. Now, they'll never promote having an ACL surgery, but, you know, a lot of guys come back stronger pitching-wise after they have the Tommy John surgery. And so the ACL, which used to be a career-ender, now some of these guys are coming back a lot quicker and some of, in some cases, you know, a little bit stronger with a new with a new tendon in there. So um, not, that it, not that anybody ever wants to get an ACL in- injury, but like you were saying, it's not... It's you typically not career threatening, so he should right. be back next. He should be back by the start of next season, I would think. 
Yeah, I think so too. I mean, like you, like you said, it's kind of like Tommy John. If there's any injury to that, and in, 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 any injury to that, uh, that elbow ligament, it's just better off to get it cleaned up and get the surgery rather than try yeah. to rehab through it. Which is comparable to Ryan Tannehill's situation in Miami, who had a slight ACL tear, tried to rehab through it, and then it blew out on him. Right. What, it, preseason game, I think it was right. Yep. And then he had to go in and get the surgery, so it's just better off. I mean, you never. You never get a surgery unless you need a surgery, but... Right. Like they say, um, there's no such thing as a minor surgery. Right. So, if... Yeah, but they're getting so so good at, at the surgery now. Um, there's no reason to believe he won't be back to the player he was, you know, just last week up there in Seattle. So Yeah. can look forward to that at least. Um, that's the only injury news, really that I have anyway. Uh, well, Zay Jones tonight, he left with a scary knee injury, they said. I didn't watch the game. Yeah, but he's, it looked very bad. It looked like it was potentially another knee injury, uh, but he's back in already, so it was just hyperextension and a little scared. But Well, he went. He came back in, and then he oh, left. Oh, you're right. I did see that. He was down again on the field. So Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So uh, He's been ruled out now officially. Like all right, so he probably shouldn't have came back out <laughs> the first time. Right. Um, I don't know what the doctors were looking at there, but they probably should have shut him down for the game anyway. Uh, so that sucks. Um, well, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, like you said, hopefully it was just like a hyperextension, and he tried to come out in there, and then he's like, you know what, we're losing because the game's out of hand now. So hopefully, yeah, it might have just, uh, you know, it might have just some fluid might have just swelled up on him, and he just mm-hmm. decided it's time to shut it down. So. Yep. You never know with that. Um, he just scored a touchdown today. He looked kind of, he looked pretty good. Yeah, he scored a long touchdown. So about time. Yeah, that's for sure. Did uh, uh did uh, Benjamin not play tonight? Yeah, he warmed up and then they uh, just had him inactive for the game. But he went through warm ups and everything, but he didn't play. Okay, because I was just looking at the like I said, I didn't watch it. I was just looking at the box score and he wasn't. Um, on it at all. Bills actually just scored. Tyrod threw a pass at number 10. I didn't catch the name yet. Yeah. <clears throat> so Thompson. They, yeah, Deont- Deontay Thompson. Oh. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, obviously we kind of buried the lead there, but... Yeah, if we could get that, we could lead off the trade talk with, with that. Yeah, they, so what did you, th- you think of the deal when you heard it? Um... By the way, Bills acquired Kelvin Benjamin is what we're talking about. Yeah, the Bills traded Benjamin. The Bills traded for Benjamin from Carolina. Um, I don't know what it was. It was six and a second or something? Um, no, it some, wasn't that much. It was, it was uh, they traded their second, a second rounder, and uh, I think another another pick somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Um, or a third rounder. I can't remember either. But it was it was two picks for Benjamin. I, okay, from a Bills perspective, I think it makes sense. Um, they don't. Well, I don't know. They have they kind of have a good receiving core now with Benjamin, um, Jordan Matthews is, is pretty decent. Zay Jones, if he's healthy, he's standing on the sidelines right now, so he looks to be all right. Um, you know, plug some other guys in. They can do some damage. I think. Help, I think Benjamin's a. a uh, 
he's not like an elite wide receiver, but he's he's up there for sure. You know, red zone threat can go up and get it. Um, he is. Yeah. Good, good to, I mean, he's not a burner, but he can, you know, jump. He's a, he can jump for a high high ball. He can run decent routes. So I think I think he's a good catch. I think if uh, I think he might need another season to get in, in good shape and work off of that ACL injury. But after that, I think he should be good to go. Yeah. I see. I think I characterize him as having elite size for the NFL, but above average talent. Like he's not. Like if he had if he had elite talent, he'd be one of the top three best wide receivers. I mean, if he if he ran a, you know, whatever. I don't know what he ran, but if he ran faster, he'd be the best wide receiver ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's 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 got average, so he's average athletically. He's got above average skill as a wide receiver, and then he's got elite size. So I mean, yeah, you can package that's that up however. Yeah, you can package that up however you want. If you just want to call him an above average. NFL wide receiver, that's fine. I think he's a little bit better than that, but above above average. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of he would be the top half of the above average group. Yeah, well, I mean, but for me, like elite is only like five, like maybe five or six guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we're on the same page. There. Yep. But yeah, he's definitely in that, that tier down. So I mean, he, I think he can only help the Bills and their offense. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see. His transition into cold weather, coming from Florida State, coming from Carolina. If he can play in the cold weather, that'll be interesting to see. That's the only, I mean, just just the nitpick of stuff. Yeah, I think my my reaction to it is, um, I think the Bills. I always side with the teams that actually get the talent. For some reason, like I feel like if if so, if he was traded for a third round pick or even a second round pick, or you know, even if it, let's just say it was a first round pick, like, I feel like next year's draft, the Bills won't be able to pick somebody that has the same talent as Kelvin Benjamin. And so... Right, that was kind of the, the, the Patriots philosophy this this draft. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So I, I just feel like the team in this case won the, the team who gets the talent, who gets the already proven talent wins that trade. And not to mention the Bills have six picks or had six picks in the first three rounds next year. So now they only have five and Benjamin. So, I, th- you know, <laughs> from their perspective, I think that it just made total sense to just make this deal. And, um, you know, McDermott, who's their head coach, and Brandon Beans, who's their general manager, both worked in Carolina. So they know Kelvin Benjamin, and they've been around him. So it's not like they're just, you know, so, so that – from a, if I were a Bills fan, I'd be ecstatic about because they've been with this guy, they've seen how he works in practice, and they still wanted to bring him over. So, you know, he's gonna be—he's gotta be a good fit there. It's just now he's got to go out and prove it, and hopefully, him and Tyrod can make a pretty quick connection because, um, despite how they look tonight, you know that team's a winning team and. You know they want to carry that into the playoffs where they haven't been in like 20 years. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a good trade for the Bills. They're on the right path. Um, it'll be good talent to them. You know, push, keep them in the winning, winning column and on the right level, and get them going. And the Carolina, I think, uh, I don't really know why they uh, gave up on him, other than with Funches, they must believe in him a little more th- than they did at this. Season, you know, at this point last year. So, 
Yeah, well, Carolina, Carolina extended new or extended um, Benjamin's option for next season, and then traded him. So I I don't know if it was just to get money off the books, or oh, or or how that works. But it didn't make sense to me that you know why would you first extend him and then trade him? Um, so I think it I think from their perspective it's a money thing where if they get rid of him now then next season or during the off season they don't have to work worry about working out a long-term deal for him. So I think that's the only I mean that's the only thing I could think of as to why the Panthers got rid of him. I'm not saying I agree with the three that they did that, but when I looked at it I was like kind of like you I was scratching my head why would the Panthers really do this and that was the only thing that you know came up to me was uh, a money thing. Yeah, that could be it. I didn't think about that, but uh, it's a, definitely a, an option there. Um, I know the Niners traded for Garoppolo. Was there any other trades before we hit on that one? <clears throat> um, well, if we want to stay with the Bills, they traded Darius. Uh, they traded their defensive lineman, Marcel Darius, who they just made the highest-paid player, um, was it last year? So they oh, traded okay. him. Who did he go to? They traded him for a six-round pick to Jacksonville. Oh, that's right, and I, I remember that. <clears throat> there was another trade. The uh, Texans traded their left tackle to the Seahawks for two picks. Yeah, it was for Lane and a for pick. Jeremy Lane, and then Jeremy yeah. Lane uh, ended up not passing the physical. So they threw in another pick, right? Right. All right, so that's a left tackle to the Seahawks, which is, should solve their, uh, well, should help their offensive line problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, some more picks to the, Houston down there who can, I don't know, can always use picks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, Darius to the, <clears throat> to the Jacksonville, they already have a pretty good defensive line, so that's another strong addition to that down there. Yeah. And they've they spent a lot of money on defense this year. Going, you know, yep. going back to the preseason where they got uh, Abouye, the cornerback who used to play for the Texans, I believe, yep. and <clears throat> so they've they've spent a lot of money on the defense. So hopefully, I mean, it's been paying off. I think I know the record isn't great, but their defense have had three or four like really outstanding games. So they just need to get their offense. Um, they need to improve on their offense, and in particular their passing game. I mean, Bortles is trash, and they lost Allen Robinson very first play of the year this season. So they need to get that going and build around Fournette on the offensive side. And you know, in the next couple of years, they could be, if they're not in too much cap trouble, um, the Jaguars could be a pretty tough team to beat. Yeah, I definitely agree. They got like like you said, they spent a lot of money on the defense, so they got that pretty short up and now they just got to fill in some holes on the offense and get some guys healthy and and uh figure it out what i mean Fournette there they got their work their workers work horse for the next couple of years so they set at running back for sure mm-hmm. um yeah the only other big trade that i can think of is uh garoppolo to the 49ers 
for a second round pick, one of the 49ers second, the first of the 49ers second round pick. So they had two traded one off to New England there for Jimmy Garoppolo, and uh, yeah, Jimmy's out in San Francisco now. So that one makes that one's interesting to me because I think they're basically saying we're going to start Garoppolo for the next eight weeks. If he is a serviceable quarterback, then we don't have to worry about drafting one. Or, if he's, or, uh, or signing Kirk Cousins, right? Or, so, yeah. Yeah, because that's been the rumor out there for, <clears throat> right. for so, a while now. Yeah, so, so one of those... So they, so they get to test him out for eight weeks. Whether or not it was worth the pick that they had to give up for him is, you know, is a different question. But I don't... In general, I don't mind the the move if that's what they're planning because too many teams rely on just bringing in the free agent when during the season you can take the opportunity okay let's see what he has if we bring him in and he has nothing then we you know we did lose a little bit but it's better than bringing him in signing him to a huge contract as a free agent bringing him in and then losing a whole nother season on him yeah and wasting all that money and everything cap it right I think it's a. Uh, um, who's our coach? Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. I uh, I'm obviously not a fan of Kyle Shanahan. Nope, um, that makes two of us. I, I I laid out a scenario on Twitter where they Shanahan decides that Garoppolo doesn't know the playbook well enough, so he sticks with that con from Iowa for the rest of the season. And yeah. then they ended up, and then they end up picking a quarterback in the first round next year anyway. <laughs> just because I have a lack of faith in Shanahan. Oh lack yeah, of, lack of faith in Shanahan to really mess the situation up and do something stupid like that. Um, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope you know Garoppolo gets a chance, at least a chance out there to play, and um, he doesn't really have anybody to throw to, unfortunately. But right. Um, I think Carlos Hyde's still a good running back. I think he can take some take some of the load off of him. Um, yeah. But yeah, I hope I hope Garoppolo gets a chance to play at least the rest of this season and see what he has. Um, I think it's amazing though that the Patriots get so all these players. You said it was a second round pick. Yep. Or, all these. Yeah, and 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 whatever one you know whatever one ends up being the earlier one is, is the one going to him. So. Right. So all these players, all these teams. So like I was just saying, Darius was traded for a sixth-round pick, and Benjamin, I think, was a third-round pick. It's like, um, and we didn't even talk about a giant to the Eagles. Um, oh, that's right. We'll but that. um, <clears throat> all these players are getting traded for picks, and yet the best pick, I think, out there was Garoppolo, who's a backup quarterback to a, you know, to a team like the 49ers. And I'm just thinking, like, how many? I got to go throughout the last. 10, 12 years as Belichick as the coach and Brady as the quarterback to figure out exactly the compensation that they have gotten from backup quarterbacks for, for backup quarterback, yep. that haven't uh, haven't really proven anything and just like tally up so and just look at the okay here's the list of the three or four backup quarterbacks here's the list of what they got for them and just tally it up and see exactly what Belichick traded backup quarterbacks to other teams and got X in return just to see how good of a move that it's been and how good of a team that Brady and Belichick have been over the last decade or dozen years. It'd be an interesting uh, 
an interesting thing to do, you know, trace what they got back. If it was a pick, trace who, what that pick turned out to be. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Because this season, they, they did it with both their backup quarterbacks. Yeah, Brissett and Garoppolo, yeah. yep. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. It, it does seem to happen a lot with their backup quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they got a second-round pick from the Jets. They signed freaking Brian Hoyer as their backup quarterback for some reason. Right. Um, but, I mean, whatever. You got Brady. Hoyer's been there before. Um, so, yeah, and then you just mentioned the one, the one we forgot, Ajay, to, uh, to the Eagles for a pick, I think. I don't fourth know fourth round pick. Fourth round Okay, so the Dolphins pretty much gave up on life at this point, trading a guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for the Eagles, they're pretty much opposite right there. They're pretty much saying, all right, we're all in. Right. For for right now. Um, I get. I mean, you're an Eagles fan. Is that what they needed to go all in, a, run, a, a-, a running back? Absolutely. Their running back okay. situation has been dismal this year. I mean... Blunt is blunt, and you know kind of what to expect from him, but he's not—he's definitely not the future. Um, he was—he no, was sort of the present by default because Sproles got hurt this year. So this move definitely is—is is huge for the Eagles, I think, moving forward for the rest of this year at least. Um, and then obviously, Jai is still young. He's t- what twenty-four? I mean, twenty-three, twenty-four. So yep, twenty-four. 1200 yards last season so yeah so and and i think that there's a little bit of a my guess is there's a little bit of an attitude problem with him um i don't know if you remember but the beginning of last year i think he was slated to be their starting running back at the start of the season and then they didn't even take him on the road to the first game and i think there's just a little bit of could be attitude or it could just be doesn't get along with the coaches down there Right. Yeah, I mean, either either one, but I think there's just a little bit of... There was something off the field that led to this because generally you don't see a 1,200-yard rusher, a young, you know, 1,200-yard rusher get dealt like this. So, yeah, obviously so maybe, they're... Yeah, didn't get along with Gates or something like that. Didn't get along with Gates, didn't get along with the offense in general. Um and the Dolphins are obviously trying to build something for the future, so if you're not meshing well with your running back, then you might as well trade him. It's just, again, he get the Eagles gave up a fourth-round pick. Like The Eagles weren't picking a player like a Ajayi in the fourth round. Nope. So, I just I, again, I side with the team on this one, even though they're my team. It's just, to me, I've, you know, <clears throat> I just think that there was a good move by the Eagles. Now, they need... They also need offensive line help because they lost their left tackle for the year. Um, so, you know, it's an argument to be made. Can you really run without a, you know, with a beat-up offensive line? But at least we addressed one of the two major needs. So I'm good. I'm happy with it. I think it was a, a good move. And Philadelphia is 7-1, and one, so they got – they have good momentum going. And worst-case scenario is – he spills his bad attitude into this locker room, and they just cut him a check and say, "Okay, don't come back anymore." <clears throat> but yeah, um, but yeah, I think in general it was a good move. 
it seems like well just that if he does have a bad attitude it seems like it will not be a problem if I had to guess just because uh, uh, I mean LeGarrette Blunt seems to be doing fine in there and he has been known to have a bit of an attitude outside of New England right so yeah if he's making it work and uh, I think a Jai can make it work and that's not a, that's not a bad guy for a Jai to uh, follow around for a couple months either and and see how he gets it done at practice and in the film room and all that kind of stuff. So, as long as he doesn't get, as long as he doesn't follow him into the into the car with weed in it, like Le- Le'Veon yeah. Bell got caught with him. Hey, maybe that was Le'Veon Bell's fault. You don't know. Well, it probably was, but either way, it's <laughs> <laughs> either way it was one hour or was it? I don't even know what I was yeah, about to was, say, but. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that's a bad thing. But at least in in the building, it's a good good guy to, yeah. to latch on to and figure it out from there. But um, I mean, yeah. So yeah, Ajayi wasn't. They both have. So this is just. Well, they're both Boise. They're, just, they're both Boise State guys. Or no, Blunt went to. Blunt, Blunt was Oregon. Oregon. Blunt yeah. punched the guy out from Punch, Boise. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um. But here's the interesting thing is that so Blunt has 467 yards on the season, Ajayi has 465. <laughs> wow! But Ajayi has way more carries. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. I think they said Ajayi will not be active Sunday, right? Uh, my guess is not because they have. I didn't see that, but I thought all along that he wouldn't be the active because they have a bye next week. So I just assumed oh, that yeah. they would that Why they would just bring him. Right, I figured they'd bring him in, give him a playbook, you know, have him have him go through the practices, you know, yeah. and then and then just sit him during the week, and then give him, you know, a lot of uh, play more more playbook training than actual physical, you know, practice time, and just have him yeah, sit I in think, the meetings. I think yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for sure. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad we hit on that one. I forgot about that trade to your Eagles there. Um, so I think that's all of them now. We hit the yeah. little ones, the big ones. Well, and then there was the one that wasn't the, the AJ McCarron to the Browns. Yeah, I was gonna. Say, I did think about that. I said, do we need to make fun of the Browns a little bit? Oh, just just but. another. I mean, this is probably why Darnold doesn't want to be a Brown because they might not get the pick in time. I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, the, what they did is, in case anybody doesn't know, is they agreed to terms with the Bengals to trade for quarterback A.J. McCarron, and then they didn't get the proper papers into the league in time to make the trade happen. So the Bengals got all their paperwork in, and the Browns couldn't figure out, they, they must not know how to send an email or a fax. Well, because I read, today, I read today, like, there was some more details came out, and, um... Instead, instead of the GM sending an email, it was they, he had his his assistant send the email. So the Browns, like, or sorry, so the Bengals guy didn't see it until like the next morning, or some shit like that, or like a couple hours later or something. But then like they looked at it and the the terms of the agreement were different than what they agreed on on the phone. So then the Bengals had to call and like void that one from the NFL and start a whole new a trade agreement, and then it was just a big mess or something. 
Oh, so, yeah. Well, either either way, so, the Browns... So, like, so, yeah, there was, like, they they messed up, like, in a lot of different situations. Like, they didn't send it to the NFL, and then they all that email stuff happened, too. So, so they messed up in more ways than one, let's just say that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you could, and then I guess uh, before, because the Garoppolo trade was, like, the, the night before, right? I think so. Yeah, so... I, I I heard that the 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 Browns the Browns coaching staff was mad because the front office left um, left the offices at like five o'clock that that night and then they because they were on the phone with the Patriots for for Garoppolo too but they said oh you know they just figured oh we're not going to get a deal on tonight so we'll go home and they left work at five and then they, the deal got done when the you know, the Patriots, you know, stayed late or whatever, and the Niners being on the West Coast were still at work, so so they got a deal done when the Browns guys went home, so. Oh, my God. I guess the coaching staff wasn't real happy about that. You know, leaving leaving work at 5 the night before the trade deadline doesn't seem like a way to run a franchise front office. I mean, I, I don't think Bill Belichick ever leaves, so... If you're, yeah, I mean, you should be. If you're ever, if you're a franchise, you should try strive to be like him. And if he never leaves, then you should. Your front office should never leave. But you're right, especially during, especially during trade time when you're trying to work out a trade. Like you stay, twenty four hours a day, and just drink right. a bunch of coffee or energy drinks because. What do you watch? You watch when when you watch draft day. Where's the Seattle guy? He's just sleeping in his uh, sleeping in his office there right at the beginning. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if if you work for an NFL front office, I you know cuts are probably a big part of your season, and then it's the draft and the trade deadline. Oh, right, you can't. There's there's <laughs> there, like after the trade deadline, there is like literally nothing for you to do. Yep. I mean, there is literally nothing for you to do maybe, except maybe for if somebody gets hurt, you bring in a, some guys to work out, but that's it. Right, you, or you promote them off the <laughs> practice squad. Wow, that's <laughs> tough. Like. <laughs> Like you're done now for six months, pretty much. Yep. I mean, you're you're obviously your scouting report is or your scouting team is out there watching college football games, and maybe that's what yeah. you do is on Saturdays you work by watching college football. But <laughs> I mean, you I mean the GM is done for at least three months. Yeah, done with all the hard stuff for sure. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Can't stay late two nights. <laughs> God forbid you stay um, after 5 p.m. I know. That is ridiculous. But that's the Browns for you, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, and this is not a trade, but Ezekiel Elliott is officially suspended again for six games. So that'll be in effect through whatever, I don't know, through the next six weeks. It's six, right? Not eight. Yeah, week fifteen. I yeah. think he'll be back. All right, so uh, something to keep an eye on there in Dallas. They got McFadden. They got Alfred Morris, and they'll try to patchwork it together until until he gets back. Um, I think he like filed his appeal, but at this point, that's just uh, legal, like necessity. There's like no chance it gets overturn this time so it's pretty much set in stone that he's going to be suspended so Cowboys are going to have to endure life without 
week for the next six weeks. Uh, but I guess we knew this was coming, so, you know, really no, no major news there other than it's finally in effect. And, um, yeah, so if you're on your fantasy team, it worked out for a little part of the season, but now it's coming. Yeah. Kind of sucks for you. Um, but that's all I have for the NFL. What do you got? That's that's it. Let's move on to the right. UFC. So we have one more thing. Um, oh. UFC 217. Saturday night, Madison Square Garden. Um, three title fights. Not sure. I haven't looked in the main at the card for a while, so I'm not sure what else. Three title fights, Madison Square Garden. Um, we'll give you some breakdowns, some predictions, real quick. And also, um, for a, for a uh, fighting note, there's a Bellator card Friday at State College, Bryce Jordan Center. So, no shit. In the area. Hit that up, yeah. Is there anybody um, big fight? Oh, that yeah, the one guy from Penn State's fighting, right? There's two guys, two Penn State guys. Sol Davis is the Minone guy, and then Ed Ruth was wrestled there as well. I think there's another title fight. Uh, heavy, not I don't know if it's heavyweight, but a, a heavier weight title fight, and a it, 125 women's title fight as well. It's their uh, light heavyweight. Light heavyweight is that what it is? Uh, yeah, light heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah, for. It's Ryan Bader, who's the champ. He's He was a former UFC guy, I think. I think so, yeah. <clears throat> so it's a pretty decent card. If you're in state college, go to it. I'm sure it'll be a good night. Um, just a note outside of 217. But like I said, 217, Saturday night in the Garden. Um, three title fights. Michael Bisping, middleweight champ, first returning George St. Pierre. Um, Rush. We'll break that. What's that? His, uh, Rush is his nickname, I was just saying. Oh, that's St. Pierre's nickname? Yeah. Okay, so like I said, we'll break that down here. Uh, Bantamweight champion Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw. And then the last title fight, of, or the last being the first title fight of the night, Ioana champion. Women's strawweight versus Rose Namajunas, challenger. And then to round out the main card, we have Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Jorge Masvidal and Johnny Hendricks versus Paulo Boracachana. Is that right? Sounds right. Um, middleweight bout. And then you got Ovid St. Peru. You got Mickey Gall. You got uh, Joe Duffy. I think that James Vick's supposed to be a good fighter. Yeah. You got a decent... Oh. Decent preliminary card on Fox Sports One. Yep. Don't forget about Olenek and the fight pass or the prelims, the fight pass prelims. Oh, yeah. Kelly Olenek. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, Olenek or what's it? Yeah, Olenek um, on the fight pass main event there. So, good night of fights. Three title fights. Um. You want to you want to give a pick on the main card or just the title fights? Uh, I got I got the picks on the title fights and then the uh, Wonder Boy Thompson. And then, All right, we'll start there. And then I just wanted to briefly talk about Gall and OVP or OSP. All right, so we'll just go. We'll go order the card. Mickey Gall is the I guess slated to kick off the fight pass. Sorry, the uh, Fox Sports card versus Randy Brown. 
Yep. Um, Rude Boy Brown, Randy Rude Boy Brown versus your boy <laughs> Mickey Gall. So if you want to break that down. Oh, he's not my boy. He's my. He, I mean, I, I do, I do like him, but he's he was my anti boy when he beat up Sage Northcutt. Yeah, when he beat your um, boy up. Yeah. Yeah, when he beat up my real boy. Um, but yeah, I think I think Mickey Gall is a really exciting fighter. Um, he can't. He comes out to hey Mickey, you're so fine, <laughs> which yeah, I think is good. just hilarious. Um, but <clears throat> there's a lot of hype surrounding this fight because he's obviously four and zero. And he just beat, and like I said, he beat up, um, well, he, he got his start by first beating up, um, CM Punk, well, his, his, his second fight was against CM Punk, um, and then he beat up Sage Northcutt, um, on, in his last fight, and now this fight against Randy Brown is, is really interesting, um, Randy Brown has a couple losses, uh, he's got one to, um, uh, Bilal, uh, Muhammad, and Michael Graves, who are pretty much no names, so um, <clears throat> Randy Brown has some hype coming into this, but I expect uh, Mickey Gall to win this. He's, I believe, he's four and zero, and I think he submitted all of four of his opponents. Yep, four rear naked chokes. <clears throat> so, so I expect him to do that again. All right, um, I would, I don't, I didn't have a pick really, but I guess I'll pick Gall. I don't really like him, but um, up to this point. Um, he until he faces you know some of the big top guys, you know pretty much have to pick him. Um, right. I think he fights at a at a TriStar there in New Jersey, New York, so right near home for him. And um, I don't know anything about Randy Brown, so I'll, you know I go with your golf pick. Looks like he's a, a New York guy, so he's getting the home card, you know, lift there. And uh, yep, that's it. He's a young guy too, so. Guess we're both going with Gall there, and then in the next fight on the Fox Sports One card, Ovin St. Prue versus Corey Anderson, who is a, another young kid from Illinois, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy, NCAA wrestler, and he's 12 and nine in his no 12 and nine. He is nine and three in his career. Um, he lost to Jim, Jimmy Manawa his last fight, and um, he fought some pretty big names, but I think uh, so did Ovin St. Prue, so. Yeah, I mean, Ovin St. Prue is uh, most known probably for his fights, for his fight against John Jones. Um, yep. When John Jones came back, and then he kind of went on. A little bit of a losing streak there. He he lost to Manawa too, and then he lost to the Vulcan Oldzimir. So he's had some pretty bad losses before getting back on track. His last two fights, um, <clears throat> I think he's kind of like I would put him in the middle range of of talent in that division. And he's I mean I know he's I know he's what's number six ranked lightweight right now. Um, I think that's probably about right for him, and like you said, for his opponent at Corey Anderson, lost to Manawa last by TKO, um, and he's kind of had an up and down win loss win loss over the last over his last four, um, but I, ultimately I think uh, OSP wins this one. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, you know, he's a 
he's a pretty athletic guy, and I don't know anything about Corey Anderson, so um, looks like he's a, I don't know, pretty well-rounded guy. He does everything okay, doesn't do anything great. Right. Um, so Corey I Anderson. Think, I think St. Peru will get it done as well. Yeah. Corey Anderson is, he just doesn't really finish anybody, and it's tough to win consistently in the UFC when you can't really finish anybody. So when yeah, you just when you just look at their stats side by side, like he's got forty forty percent of his fights or forty percent of his wins, right, get finished. Um <clears throat> whereas when you look at o, uh OSP, he's more like eighty percent. So the, right. the I mean that's the main difference between those two is um OSP goes out and finishes fighters and and Corey Anderson just doesn't. He leaves it up to the judge and to the judges and in most cases that just doesn't seem to work out in favor of the guy who actually won the fight. So even on the cha- even on the times where he's lost going to the decision, you know, maybe he actually, you know, in theory was the better fighter that night. It's just never a good idea to let the judges um pick the fate of the fight yeah I definitely agree with that you gotta if you if you finish it yourself you save yourself the uh, uncertainty of going to the judges for sure so yep um, so that's all uh, note I have um, on before we get to the main card we can move to the main card if you're good to go yep you want to mention Johnny Hendricks and Paulo Baracatina not really. That does that um, fight does not excite me. Okay, I'll just I'll just it's whatever. I'll just throw out whatever knowledge I have. And I know Johnny Hendricks is always struggling to make weight. Um, so right. I'll to, I'll, so I'll I'll do my due diligence in the morning and watch the weigh-ins like I usually do. <laughs> Friday Friday morning at work, I put the weigh-ins on and text you guys if somebody misses weight. Like seems to happens every every pay-per-view now. So yeah. This keep an eye, keep an eye on that. And um, Johnny Hendricks was a guy who back in the day show, was showing a lot of talent, and um, kind of just been kind of lost the last couple of fights. Yeah. You know, either either doesn't make weight or he doesn't look good, or when he does make weight, he does look good every once in a while. So he's kind of a bit of a wild card now, and I don't know anything about uh, Barakachana if that is his name. So. Um. No, he's fighting. He looks like he's under he's undefeated. So. Yeah, I I think um. He's he's got nine finish. Uh, he's ten and zero, and I think this this fight could be a little exciting because I think they're just gonna throw bombs at each other, if I had to guess. So I mean, this could yeah, be one of those. I think so too. This could be just one of those fights where it's just like a, you know, haymaker after haymaker fight that could end up being exciting and it could end up being a first round finish. Um, so, so I'm, I don't want to mean I don't want to sound like it's not going to be an exciting fight. I just neither one of these two fighters moves the needle for me in general. Yeah, me neither. And I just mentioned uh, Johnny Hendricks struggle to make weight. Um, he's missed weight three of the last four fights. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I mean he missed weight at um, one seventy five twice. So he. I'm sorry. 170 twice, so he moved up to 185, missed it. His second fight at 185, so something 
is going not right <laughs> in right. his camps or weight cut or whatever it is. So um, that's really, the, unfortunately, that's the storyline of the fight is if he's going to make weight or not. So yeah. if that's the storyline of this fight, it's not a very good fight. So no picks for the first fight of the main card. And we'll go to Wonderboy versus Masvidal. Wonderboy coming off the snoozers with uh, Tyron Woodley. And Masvidal, last fight was Damian Maya, is that correct? Yeah. That yeah. was the one that Mas- I was very heated about. Decision to Damian Maya. Yep. <laughs> yep. So uh, Thompson coming off, you know, back-to-back fights there with Tyron Woodley. Um, last time in the Garden and then another one at 209. And Masvidal coming off a split decision over Damian Maya, who I believe just lost last weekend. Damian Maya lost, so. Um, I think you had a pick ready for this one, so if you want to do that, break it down, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think uh, Masvidal is going to end up knocking out Thompson. Um, so that would be my pick here. But I th- I, I really am um, anticipating a very good fight here. Um, like you said, Wonderboy and Thompson, he's had two fights in a row now with Woodley. And the first one was a draw. Snoozers. What? Snoozers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Uh, they were. I mean, <laughs> it was. It was boring the first time. So the UFC was like, "Hey, let's do it again." Let's do it again. And <laughs> and I'm just like, it was worse. Oh my god. It the second one was so bad. Oh god, it was yep. so bad. Now a lot of that I think was tired was Woodley's fault. But oh, sti- yeah, it's not. Yeah, for sure. But they both get blamed in my book so. oh yeah it's you know it takes two to tango i mean <laughs> to, to be honest you just at some point you just got to go after it and neither one of those for what was i mean it was 10 rounds right yep yep it, i mean yep. just just oh god so boring so i just want to <laughs> see i'm picking masvidal to go in there and knock him out and i just want to see it just just because <laughs> um but uh yeah, Masvidal was coming on a three-game or yeah, three-game a three-fight win streak, and then I think he got robbed, absolutely robbed out of that Damian Maya uh, win. So I expect uh, Jorge to come back and and um, knock out Stephen Thompson in this one. That's a good pick. Um, if I had to pick, I would probably pick Wonderboy, but after those last two performances, I don't know what to pick. I don't know what to think about that, but uh, I'd pick Wonder Boy just to be different from you, and uh, we'll go from there. I mean, Wonder Boy certainly is capable. I mean, if I'm being honest, I think Wonder Boy is probably the better fighter. I just think that the way, well, I mean, I guess you could say the way the UFC has treated Wonder Boy, he's going to come out and want to, you know, make a big splash. But I think the way that the judges treated Masvidal. Last time is Masvidal is going to come into this with one thought in mind: it's either knock him out or get knocked out, and not let the judges determine, you know, the the winner again. So yeah, I think I think you're right. I think he's that type of fighter for sure. So yep. Um, and Masvidal has a Masvidal has a pretty strong chin, so it's going to take oh, a yeah. lot for he, Thompson to knock him out. Oh yeah, that's for sure. He can uh, he can eat a few punches if he needs to. Right. Um, so you ready to move into the championship fight? Let's do it. All right, first championship fight of the night: women's strawweight bout. 
Joanna Young Jacek, current champion, versus challenger Rose Nama Yunus, um, young 25 year old up and comer who just her last fight was against Michelle Watterson. Um, yep. A win there, and um, just the fight before that was lost to Carolina Kovacavich, also who fought um, Joanna on the last. Um, Madison Square Garden card, so a lot of familiarity there with with that opponent. And you want to beat Carolina, um, Rose lost Carolina, so that's familiarity there. Um, Yuana is probably my favorite fighter on this card, so I'm picking her to defend her championship. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Rose is uh, could be a tough challenger, but I think um, this might might be a little bit ahead of her her growth curve to get thrown into this fight at this point. So that's my pick is Joanna, and you can have the floor. I'm going with the upset. All right, I'm I going like with it. I'm going with Thug. That's her nickname. I like it, Thug Rose. Yep, I'm going I with like her. It. I think I uh, again, if I'm being honest, Joanna is definitely the better fighter, and I think. Yeah, Ro- I think. I, th- I just want to say I think the only way. That Rose, the only chance that Rose wins is she's just a little bit, a little bit crazy. Right. So, yeah. So well, that's why she might get the upset. Yeah. The the problem is for Rose to win, she's probably gonna have to submit submit Joanna. But Joanna never gets taken down. Joanna, well, Joanna not only never gets taken down, but she picks apart the opponent. So like, she's Rose will never get close enough to even. Yeah. Attempt so, I think that I, I I think I picked Johanna to lose last time too, so maybe this is just a little bit of a theme. I think, maybe. like I was saying, Johanna's by far the better fighter, and in reality, the only way for Rose to ever be the strawweight champion is if Johanna moves up. Um, but yeah. but I'm picking. I'm just gonna unless, s- unless she gets in a scramble and takes her back, and then it's all over. Right. I'm just gonna yeah. pick Rose because she's she's probably my favorite female fighter. So. I'm just I'm hey, going like with it. it. I like it. I don't believe I don't believe you know like I said Joanna's definitely the better fighter but I'm I'm going with Rose. Yeah, it it it, it could definitely happen, but the chances of it aren't high obviously, which is why you make money if you bet on Rose, right? So, right. Um on draft yeah, I mean, though I'll be picking Joanna. Oh yeah. Yeah, me too for sure. Um Yeah, so like I said Joanna is uh definitely well yeah, definitely my favorite women's fighter. You know, she's, one of my overall favorite fighters for sure. So yeah, she's the only, she's the only fighter that should ever feel confident going to decision, just because she dominates yeah, so much. Like, she, yeah, she dominates. She's, she's kind of yeah. I mean, she, honestly, she's kind of like the perfect decision fighter because her output's so high. It's punches and kicks and elbows and right uh, for five rounds and. Um, she never gets taken down, so yeah, yeah. she's just uh, her yeah. I mean, she, her output is just off the charts all the time. So yep. So that's it. Um, probably decision if if we're if I'm being honest. Um, maybe um, like I said, maybe Rose takes her back and, and chokes her out, or maybe Joanna. There's only land some elbows and 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 it finishes that way, but like I, yeah, like I said, if if it finishes, 
So if the fight finishes in a in a knockout, it's definitely going to be Joanna knocking out Rose. If it yep. finishes in decision, it's definitely going to be Joanna. You know, probably a unanimous decision over Rose. The yeah, only way Rose wins Rose is if the fight is yeah. is if it finishes in a submission. Yep, I agree with that. So that's our first title fight of the night there, women's straw weight. And then we move in to the people's main event. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cody Garbrandt, champion, versus TJ Dillashaw, challenger, ex, uh, ex, uh, what, what? Team Alpha Can't Male? Yeah, Alpha Male. I want to say American Top Team, but that's not right. That's where Yohan is. Ex Team Alpha Male, uh, partners, teammates, um, the whole snake in the grass incident with Dillashaw leaving Alpha Male to go to Colorado or wherever he is now. Um, yeah, so there's, uh, there's a backstory, there's some bad blood, there's two phenomenal fighters going. So yeah. this is uh, fight of the night potential for sure. Yeah, before we get it in before I get into this, did you hear the latest America uh Team Alpha Male uh drama? I Oh, you mean with the coach? With the coaches, yep. I saw it on Twitter they the coach said he's like no longer the, the head coach or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That. So he. So basically, the coach and I can't remember his name, but he went out to be. He went out and took a fight in Alaska or something. And when before he left, he was he was one of the head coaches. And like the way that Uriah put it was when he came back. Um, I mean, it's not like he was just gone for a week, and. But when he came back, they've had an influx of people who joined the gym, including like Sage Nor- uh, Northcutt and some other people. So they re kind of they restructured who the coaches were, and like each coach, the way Uriah described it was each coach, since they had so many new people, took a section of who the new coach or of who the of all the people, they just broke it down to like five or six sections, and right. so there was five or six coaches instead of just having one head coach and one coach of wrestling and one coach of this and one coach of that. So that's the way that Uriah described it: that this guy didn't lose his quote-unquote head coaching position. It's just that when he came back, he used to like lead the training sessions, and now he just leads the training sessions for a particular group. Right. So. Just, he's mad or what? Yeah, he's. I, I don't know if he's really mad about it, but it's just a. It's just a little bit of a, you know, team alpha male drama coming into this fight, which is just a little bit of a bad right. timing slash coincidence yeah. that, you know, a previous, a previous fighter in Dillashaw who created who was the last source of drama. For Team Alpha Male. There's some type of drama from Alpha Male, right? Whether it's Dillashaw leaving, and then it's whether it's uh, Garbrandt and Saber bad-mouthing him and mm-hmm. saying that he was a bad teammate, and then Garbrandt saying he has a video of Dillashaw getting knocked out in training. Right. I think he released some sketchy footage of that happening on Twitter tonight. Um so there's always something going on between those guys, which, you know, makes for a good uh, promotion anyway. But mm-hmm. but the fight should be a good fight as well. Right. Um, I don't believe I've seen TJ fight since I've been watching. 
can't recall ever watching him fight. If I did, I don't remember it. Um, He's one of those, in case you haven't seen him, um, he's one of those I don't know how to, he's like odd in the ring. Like he does a bunch of random movements. Like he doesn't Dominic keep. Cruz? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's him and Dominic Cruz and Alex Caceres. You know, they're all that type of guy who they don't just stand there and bob back and forth. They like, you know, they kind of dance and they do. You know what I mean? Like what Co- what Cody Garbrandt does a little bit of it too. I mean, he kind of. Well, Garbrandt kind of. Uh, kind of like his original mold was kind of Dominic Cruz, and then Alpha Male kind of finished the mold up a little bit, but right. But he grew up, you know, he grew up with Dominic Cruz in mind, so he's got a little bit of him. Yeah, but obviously he's got uh, some heavier hands to go along with it, but yep. Yeah, so I, I think. And like you said, Jan is your favorite fighter on this card. Co- Cody's my favorite fighter in the UFC, so I can't wait to see him fight. The, this is and this is a really good match between these two. I mean, in terms of just pure talent, um, they're right there with, um, uh, I'm blanking on uh, right there with Dominic Cruz. So Cruz, Garbrandt, Dillashaw, they're probably three of the you know, most talented fighters in the UFC. And so whenever you get a chance to watch one of those three fight, and in this case, two of those three fight, it's just going to be an awesome fight. And I, I actually think that this should be the the main event of the yeah, night. I would, I, would, I would think so, too, if I was booking a card. But um, I think it'll be a very good fight, two guys, um, two very good fighters, two guys that know each other from training two guys that don't get along very well now it, I mean it has all the makings of of what you would want in a fight so can't ask yep. for anything more than that yep I'm picking uh, I'm picking Garbrandt in this yeah I'm picking Garbrandt too um I, I don't have a dec- I don't have a decision or anything but I just I think he's probably probably a better fighter and I like him better than Dillashaw so, so I'm picking Garbrandt um, yeah and if, if you get a chance go on Twitter and look at Garbrandt's one of Garbrandt's tweets he's standing with Kobe and uh, Francis Aganyu and Garbrandt looks yeah. so small compared like he's oh, just standing like the way he's like Aganyu's standing there with like his arms crossed and Ganyu just looks <laughs> like a huge like bodyguard and Kobe's talking to Garbrandt, and it's just the, he's standing next to Nganyu, and it's so funny how, you know, their size difference. So do yourself a favor and go on Twitter for Garbrandt and look at that. <laughs> look at just how small he is compared to, you know, Nganyu, who's one of the, you know, bigger, you know, probably one of the biggest yeah, fighters yeah. in the, in the UFC. Yeah, check that out after we're we're done recording here. But I'll probably take Garbrandt on. Um Fandle, or not Fandle, uh, draft things as well. I think. Yeah. Um, just, uh, that fight is, I was looking up the line here. I think Garbrandt, yeah, Garbrandt's a pretty heavy favorite in that fight. What, what, do we know who's on the, the announced team for this card? I don't think so. I'm guessing it's going to be Rogan. I mean. Well, yeah, it'll be Rogan and what's the other guy? 
but I don't know. It won't be Cruz, right? It might be. It would be interesting to put him there in that situation. Yeah. I don't know if it'd be DC or Cruz or what they would do, but I would. Normally, I would vent. Well, Cruz will be one of two places. He'll either be in the broadcast. Or, yeah. yeah. He'll either be in the post-match stuff or he'll be at ringside. My guess is you're right. They'll probably have DC at ringside. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I was just wondering if uh, just because of the dynamic between the three with Cruz in there. <clears throat> I think. It would be interesting. I think it would be high drama to put Cruz ringside but I don't think that that <clears throat> in my opinion that's not fair to Garbrandt and Dillashaw to have Cruz be like right there and have them see him in the you know while they're fighting not that they would necessarily be looking to uh not that you know they wouldn't be looking to where Cruz would be sitting necessarily during the fight but yeah. I just wouldn't put them in that situation if I were the UFC, but I'm not the UFC. They're all about drama and selling tickets and stuff like that, so who knows? They might be thinking... Yeah, I don't know. That was just a, just a thought I had about that. But. Yeah. I mean, they've obviously been known to... If he is ringside, I could see a situation where he comes in to interview him after the fight instead of Rogan. You know, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the UFC's style is create high drama, so... Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, that's it. Now we have the, uh, the real main event. Michael Bisping, middleweight champion, versus the returning George St. Pierre. Um, I don't know. I don't really have high thoughts on this fight. Um, I know people are excited because St. Pierre was supposedly, you know, one of the greatest to ever, to ever do it back in the day. Um, you know, he's good with his, his uh, all of his MMA, really. He's uh, kind of a legend up in Canada. But um, with him fighting before my time and before a lot of fans of MMA now, I don't think he is... I don't think his name carries as much weight as the UFC hope it, hope it did or thought it might have at this point, so... Yeah. I mean, he's going to be... this thing who... Um, knocked out Luke Rockhold on short notice and then fought a, like a 46-year-old guy to defend his belt. So, there's two um, not ideal scenarios on each side, but I would... Yeah, I'd like to talk about the returning George St. Pierre and his drawing power at this point, I guess. Yeah. They, um, I mean... Wait. What do you think about that? Yeah, they just... To me, it was... It's hard to tell what the UFC was thinking when they put this card together. Um, I know it's at Madison Square Garden, so maybe they're just trying to get the biggest star power names. But... And, and maybe the best way to, to prove that St. Pierre is still a big-time draw is... Is to put him in the garden and to put him on the same card as Yuana and Garbrandt and Dillashaw, because if you're gonna wa- if you're gonna buy this, the numbers regardless, yeah. Right, if you're gonna buy this, then the numbers are gonna look good for Saint Pierre and they're gonna look good for uh, Bisping, and so just by default, 
So I think that it was a good move on their part, but I think it's after it's all said and done, it'll be like a little false positive if you try to put Georgia St. Pierre on a different card, whether he's the champion or not, and you don't have secondary and, th- and tertiary fights like the um, like the Garbrandt Dillashaw and and Jacek fight after that. You know, I think that card would wouldn't draw anywhere near as much. Uh, popularity or hype as this particular one so I think they're kind of in a way the UFC is kind of going to play around with the numbers um, but I'm with you I mean St. Pierre hasn't fought in four years I believe yep. so when we t- I never ever like to take fighters that have some sort of ring rust and if four years isn't enough to you know, develop ring rust then <laughs> then I don't know what is um, uh, so yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting fight. I mean, these two guys are as as much as I hate to say it, they're definitely bigger names in the sport, and they're kind of the old guard. Whereas yep. somebody like Garbrand is the young crowd, and Mickey Gall is the young is a young guy coming up. So it's kind of rare to see two guys this as this veteran status. And still have some hype around them, so I think it'll be a good fight. Um, I'm gonna pick Bisping in this, in this one, but I'm not as nearly interested in this fight as I am the two fights before it. Yeah, I definitely feel the same way. Um, I'm not really, I mean, I'm not really a fan of Bisping, and I, I never, you know, we weren't around for the George St. Pierre area, so can't really be a fan of his either. Um, mm-hmm. If I had to pick a winner, I'd probably pick this thing, I guess. Um, as long as he doesn't get taken down by St. Pierre and wrestled and, uh, you know, lost by decision that way, I think he, he can win um, if he can keep it on the feet. Um, so. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is the main event, unfortunately, and uh, I guess you just have to, have to live with that, but. Um, I don't know if I'll take one of these guys in DraftKings or not. Probably not. Um, well, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't, but they would have to be they would have to be low priced to get that. Yeah, that's what I said. I, I don't know, but I, if I had to guess, they'd probably be high priced, and I probably won't. Right. Uh, they're they're actually they're actually a pick'em. Oh, and it's a pick'em. Well, they're well, they're both, yeah, they're both minus one fifteen, their odds. So, um, it's basically a, a pick 'em. It's probably the most even fight of the night, based off of yeah, Vegas def- odds. Yeah, definitely, definitely the most even of the, the championship fight. Oh yeah, uh, Yuan is like minus six hundred. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it really is ridiculous that that's a that that is a championship fight um, just based off of the odds. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. It makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, those are crazy odds. But, yeah. Crazy odds, for sure. Um, so I guess we both got this thing. Both got Garbrandt split on the uh, women's championship fight and split on the other main card fight. Yep. But should be a good night of, of fights in there. Las Vegas, or sorry, not Las Vegas, New York City. 
three title fights can't go wrong with that um i think the last ufc in new york city was connor against eddie i think that had three title fights as well i think joanna was on that card too so um, should be another good night in new york um hopefully everybody makes weight tomorrow i'll be sure to keep everybody updated on that yeah and um Hopefully, if you that's all you got, that's all I got. I was just gonna say, hopefully, if you pay for it, that fight lasts longer than the Eddie Alvarez fight. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna pay for it. I'm gonna VIP it up. So you're right. I think that's what you're gonna do too. So yep, absolutely. Unless I fall into some major riches tonight, or even tomorrow, or Saturday morning. (laughs) But I don't anticipate that happening. So better play that. uh, Oh no, can't play Powerball now. Between now and UFC 217? Yeah. Oh no. Well, no, I could. Nope. Nope. Um, I get super rich playing NBA Sandal Friday night. That's not going to happen. Drafting. That's not going to happen either. Hey, it ain't going to, but. <laughs> can always dream. But, anyways, we're kind of deep into this episode, so we'll get off to bedtime now we're in friday morning here at channel 79 headquarters so if that's all t has i'm good for the night that's all i have all right guys um finally got a good episode recorded here for you um website's good our twitter's up and running our podcast's up and running um we'll be back next week um hopefully we have some major news to talk about if not, we'll hit, hit whatever we can hit and, and get out of there. Um, but that's it for me. T, you got anything? Uh, no. All right, T has nothing. I have nothing. So that means we're out of here. See Bye. You next week.